0: Blog Talk Radio
1: Ready for another captivating, scintillating week of college football. We know you are, and that's exactly why you've come to the right place. How you doing, everybody? Welcome to another podcast edition of Strong as Steel. I'm Michael Regei, along with uh, my partner, uh, the preeminent college football analyst, going as we say hi to Phil Steele. Phil, we, we've whittled down now as we get a hold of week number nine here. Just nine unbeatens around uh, the FBS of uh, 128, seven of them in the Power Fives and two in the uh, the group of five, that being Western Michigan and Boise State. Are we going to keep whittling this down as the weeks go on to maybe where we only have one or two left as the, uh, the end of the season rolls around?
0: Yeah, I think that's pretty much the way we're going to go. I know that if you look at the schedules right now for Alabama, they'll be favored in all the rest of their games. Clemson they'll be favored in all the rest of their games Washington will be favored in all the rest of their games and both Western Michigan and Boise State will be favored in all the rest of their games but as we know uh, once you get into that month of November and uh, the kids start looking at the playoff rankings and where they stand and the pressure of being undefeated we'll see some upsets down the stretch so I think uh, as usual at the end of the year we'll probably end up with one, two and maybe three at the most uh, unbeaten
1: teams Well, that's why we're here. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we're on it every step of the way, every snap, all around the FBS. We'll start including the FCS as well, and your opportunity to join the show. We do that for you each and every week, 646-668-2248, 646-668-2248. So uh, your thoughts, your opinions, your questions for Phil and me on any game that you have in mind, you know, we're the only show around the, uh, the college football world that is going to Phil, we try to hit over 20 and sometimes into at least 25 games. Of course, you also are welcome to social media. Is big with us. We know sometimes you can't call, so uh, on Twitter at Phil Steele S T E E L E zero four two, at Michael Regi R E G H I, and our producer is the omnipresent Jim underscore Nabazna N A B. O-Z-N-A, again, 646-668-2248. That's how you do it. We know a lot of you uh, have uh, your thoughts and and questions for Phil on what's going to happen this coming up, week number nine. Let's go out to the great state of Oregon. Here's uh, Jeremy as we welcome him to Strong as Steel. You're our quarterback today, Jeremy. We're getting us out of the huddle. We appreciate it.
0: Uh, Thanks,
2: Michael.
1: Go right um, ahead, Jeremy. I have a question.
2: Yeah. um, I have a question about Appalachian State and Georgia Southern. A big Sun Belt clash. And right now the line is that Georgia Southern is favored by uh, five and a half points. I just wanted to hear Phil's take on it. All thanks. right. Pre-
0: appreciate the call, Jeremy. And thanks for calling from the great state of uh, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and actually in this game, Appalachian State is favored by the five and a half points of the road team. And I think they deserve to be. You know, when I break down this game, I like the way Appalachian State's been playing. Taylor Lamb, their veteran quarterback, having another solid season. Marcus Cox, their top running back, probably could have played last week if they needed him, but they didn't need him against Idaho. I think you'll see him here. And Jalen Moore's doing a great job in this place, running for 784 yards. I also like the way their defense is playing this year. You look at how they've done in conference play allowing just 288 yards per game. Now, when you look at Georgia Southern, the a couple things I want to point out here. Last year, Georgia Southern uh, ran the football for 363 yards per game and 6.5 yards per carry. This year, with the new head coach, just 264 yards per game, 4.6 yards per carry. So that's 100 yards less running the football. And defensively last year, they held their foes to 96 yards below their season average. This year they're actually allowing foes 19 yards above their season average. I go through App State's schedule and how they played this year, and there's really only one game I was disappointed in them with, and that's the Miami-Florida game. Meanwhile, Georgia Southern, there's not really a game where they've looked like the Georgia Southern of last year. So, love talking about the Sun Belt. Glad you brought it up. And in this particular instance, I like App State, minus the points to win this one on the road. I think they're the stronger team. Appreciate the call, Jeremy.
1: You know, Phil, interestingly enough, uh, you bring up Tyson Summers there uh, from the coaching perspective. And, uh, you know, our Phil Steele Preview Magazine, we projected uh, that Arkansas State would be the squad, and so that's been a little bit different. Arkansas State, as we know, such a, uh, you know, a tremendous program the last few years, but it has been App State and Georgia Southern that has uh, shown themselves to be the best in the belt this nope. year, huh?
0: No, actually, you look at Arkansas State, their losses were in uh, non-conference play. Toledo, Auburn, Utah State, and Central Arkansas – Arkansas State opened up the year beating Georgia Southern with a uh, 27-26. But in that game, they had a 27-16 first down edge. They actually, where minus five mm-hmm. in turnovers really dominated the game. So they looked in that game – like I thought Arkansas State would be. They beat South Alabama in their last one. And uh, Arkansas State and App State don't play each other this year. In the magazine, I forecasted those two teams to tie for first in the uh, league. And uh, it looks like it's probably going to head that way. I like Arkansas State. The at-Troy game is the one that concerns me the most in the remaining schedule. But now that Justice
1: Hanson's taken over at the QB spot, I
0: think they're playing well.
1: So you expect them to get on track, albeit with the non-conference losses, as you've alluded to. All right, yeah, 2-0 in conference play so far. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 646 668 uh, 2248. That's uh, how you get on board. Strong as steel. We just went through a little bit with the Sunbelt. Remember, we're we're here for you with the uh, the group of 5 as well. Whether it's a Sunbelt, whether it's the American uh Mountain West, the MAC or Conference USA, we're on top of that, not just uh, the Power 5. But, uh, so, make sure you you uh hit us with anything and everything from uh, around uh, college football. All right, uh, we continue on. And, and Phil, as right now, if we look upon, and, then again, that number to call for you, 646-668-2248. We had Ohio State drop from the ranks of the unbeaten with their loss in Happy Valley to Penn State Saturday night. Give me your college football playoff top four as you see it projecting out to the end of the football season. Yeah, right now, if I'm going to pick a top four for the end of the year, I'm going to put Alabama
0: in there. I know you're a little shocked at that one, Michael. I'm very uh, shocked at that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm real shocked. Uh, I'm going to go with Clemson, uh, you know, and then I'm also going to go with Washington out of the Pac-12, and then Ohio State. You know, Ohio State gets Michigan at home. I think the winner of that game goes uh, to the uh, Big Ten championship, and, you know, one-loss Big Ten champ is going to get in over a one-loss Big 12 champ. So my four right now that I'm projecting for the final four, Alabama, Clemson, Washington, and Ohio State.
1: What's your final four, Michael? Clemson, Washington, and Ohio State. Uh, At the beginning of the year, I had Florida State in there, as you did. I am uh, very tempted still to, uh, to look at Louisville. I do think that they're worthy of it. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I, I would probably, uh, uh, you got to take Florida State out of it, so I, I'm going to go with, uh, with Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and um, I guess I'll go with you on, uh, on Washington, although I must say that at the, at the beginning of the football season I didn't think that that would be a possibility. I know you like the Huskies a lot, I just didn't think they were going to have the well all. Phil, I'll stay with them for now, but I don't think they're going to run the table in the Pac-12. Fair enough. All right, 646-668-2248, that's how uh, you guys get on board with us. Phil, let's take a look since we mentioned the Big Ten real quickly here. Uh, let's take a look at uh, that uh, that Big Ten West battle this week. Now, we know Wisconsin had to come off the loss to Ohio State and go to Iowa. They came away with a road win. They seemed to play well in Iowa City. Now they get back home and get one of those undefeateds in Mike Riley and uh, his uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers, how do you see that playing out, and how legitimate is Nebraska in your mind right now today?
0: You know, I still haven't seen enough from Nebraska to anoint them one of those teams. They're my number two most improved team in the country coming into the season. I thought they had a good shot at opening up potentially 7-0 and this year. Uh, looking at the final part of their schedule, though, having to play Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Iowa all on the road will make it pretty difficult. Uh, this week we'll find out for not or whether they're, they are a legitimate contender or not because I do think that in their next game, next week against Ohio State, they lose that one. So if they drop this game to Wisconsin and Wisconsin runs the table, then Wisconsin is going to be your Big Ten West champ uh, because mm-hmm. everybody else would have two losses there. So I think right now the Badgers are in the driver's seat. And frankly, the way I've seen Wisconsin play this year, I think they're the best team out there in the uh, the Big Ten West. I like the way they finally have got the run game going, uh, and also when you look at them, defense is their calling card. They're holding opponents. 128 yards below their season average this year. Corey Clement finally getting on track and looking like the Corey Clement we thought he would look like last year before he got injured. Now he's back into that form. But this game is going to... I mean, Nebraska has been a team that is unbeaten. They have great fourth quarters. They're usually... Uh, you know, thats their best quarter of the season is the fourth. But I find it difficult to see them running the football with a banged-up offensive line against Wisconsin. And if Tommy Armstrong has to throw the football... 40 times in a game like he was doing last year, I think that interception total of five will start to rise. So I'm going to go with the better team here to win this one at home with Wisconsin this week, but probably by 7 to 10 points. I don't think it will be a blowout. That
1: a boy! I finally got Phil on Paul Chris bandwagon with, uh, with those Wisconsin Badgers. I know, you know. Last week, we that was one we uh, you thought Iowa would win that football game at home. I went with Wisconsin in that one. So uh, glad to see you on the uh, the Paul Chris side of things this week, Phil. Yeah, great. We'll see how they we'll call her. I love I love the way he called the plays in the first half against Ohio State. Yeah, and he's uh now he's he went we've got uh, Bart Houston back in the football game as well. He played two quarterbacks last week. All right, six four six, six six eight, twenty two forty eight. You guys are lined up and let's get at it. We go to the uh the City of Broad Shoulders, Chicago, Illinois. Here's Patrick. Patrick, welcome to Strong as Steel. How are you today?
3: I'm doing great. Phil, Michael Ragai, thanks for the call. Uh Phil, I'd like to personally thank you for the Bounce Back Week on the Inside the Press Box. It was uh, very, very profitable for everyone on board and would like to extend my thank you for that. Thank um, you, my, question, my question goes out to Phil about the mighty midshipman again and the, ten, the bone crusher, Neamata Lolo, does it again versus a very good Memphis team. Do you think that South Florida has any chance to slow down that option? I mean, like, I don't understand how it works every single week, but the triple option just keeps on doing it for me. And uh, seven and a half is a lot of points. I wanted to get your take on it.
0: All right. Appreciate the kind comments there, Patrick. And uh, I think you picked an excellent game here. And I think it will be on the high-scoring side. Now, keep in mind, South Florida's quarterback, Quentin Flowers, not 100%. He's uh, he's questionable to probable coming in the game. I think he'll play But he didn't look like Quentin Flowers last week. He only hit 11 to 20 passes for 187 yards against Temple in their last game. Uh, And now they they host Navy. And last year they struggled to stop the Navy option. I mean, Navy ran the ball all over him last year, 428 yards rushing, 6.2 yards per carry. And the one thing I found about Navy throughout the years their offense really gets going in the second half of the year. If, you know, even though opponents know what's coming, once they start getting in gear and getting in sync, second half of the year they're usually putting up some 40 points per game. So I think this game is going to be on the high-scoring side. And Coach Ken niamat has got the quarterback working for him now, and Will Worth. it's unfortunate, Tago Smith not going to be granted a redshirt year, so his career over. But Will Worth doing a fine job running this option offense. And the defense playing better than most would expect. They're holding opponents at 30 yards below their season average. So you line these two teams up player for player, South Florida should be a 10- to 14-point favorite. They're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster, they're at home. But I think Navy's going to keep this one under a touchdown. So if it's red 7.5, I like Navy plus the points in that one in a high-scoring game, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if Neomatololo pulled yet another upset. Appreciate the call and the comments, Patrick.
1: Absolutely not. Phil and I always rave about uh, Ken Niamatololo and uh, the job he does with his football program at Navy. 646-668-2248. Uh, that's the way for you to jump on board. We do this every week for you. We're live here on Blog Talk Radio Wednesdays from uh, 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern Time. And then, of course, there's there's various ways, uh, iTunes being one of them, that you can uh, make sure you get our podcast throughout the course of the week. All right, let's get back at it. We'll go to uh, New York with some uh, some Atlantic Coast Conference thoughts in mind. Big one going on in the ACC this week with one of the undefeated. Here's John from New York. Hey, John, welcome to Strong as Steel. Thank you. Good afternoon, guys. Um,
0: Big Clemson Tiger fan, and uh, like everybody else, kind of can't figure them out. I know they're undefeated, but they've had some tough, close games and uh, really nervous about this Clemson-Florida uh, State game on Saturday night. I, I kind of think it's like the game of the week. And I was just wondering, what what Phil, what your thoughts would be on that game. Yeah, huge game coming up. And, by the way, appreciate the call, John. Uh, I mean, when you look at Clemson, as you touched on, you go back to the Troy game, which they won by six, the NC State game where NC State missed a field goal at the end of regulation, allowed them to win. Uh, and they've had their struggles this year, even the Auburn game. I think Clemson fans thought that would be a bigger up, But right now, that game doesn't look bad at all because Auburn looks to be dominant at this point. So uh, it's still a Clemson team that's been playing better body of work-wise than Florida State has this year. Go back to look at that North Carolina loss for Florida State, the lackluster win over Wake. Uh, And then, of course, the blowout loss to Louisville. But this is one of those circle-the-wagon games for Florida State. You'll get their A-game effort. They're off a bye. Dalvin Cook has been running the football fantastically, 900 yards, 5.7 yards a carry. Francois is a guy who I think is going to get better and better and have a big second half of the season. My biggest concern matchup-wise for Florida State is their secondary, which, of course, lost their star player early in the year in the first game of the season and has really been allowing some yards passing. And Clemson's past game, which has Mike Williams, Ray May McLeod, uh, Deion C- Cain, uh, Artavia Scott, Jordan Leggett at all. Uh, they've got a, a potent pass attack to hit them. Gallman should be back for this one. I think at this point, Clemson's a better team, but Florida State's at home in a circle-the-wagons game. I think it comes down to the wire and may be the closest game of the season so far for Clemson, even though one went into overtime. I'll call for this one to get decided by one. I like underdog Florida State, but I'll, I'll call for Clemson to win the game at this point. Appreciate the call there, John.
1: Appreciate it, John. Yeah, Phil, I'm going to go against you. I'm going to take Florida State in this one for a lot of the reasons right. you just pointed out. So uh, I know you're forecasting a very tight one to see if Clemson can uh, stay among the ranks of the undefeated. But I, I like the Seminoles, and and we'll see how that plays out. I love it. A, six, call, four, six, yeah, a 6 4 Yeah, 6-4. Well, kind of like backing up uh, the Iowa-Wisconsin that we had last week. So uh, we'll see how uh, how this one in the ACC plays out. 646-668-2248, that's the number to call. Uh, you can uh, do that, and we'll get you immediate access right here to Strongest Steel, the very best college football podcast you're going to find. We've already discussed from the Sun Belt to Georgia Southern and Appalachian State this week. We threw Arkansas State into it, as Phil believing that's still the top team there. If you've got a group of five questions, Give them to us. We love it. We're all over it with you. Let's go right back to Chicago and uh, check in with Jay. Jay's got some uh, Big Ten thoughts and the one that uh, will come on the heels of maybe one of the wildest games of 2015's college football season, Michigan, Michigan State. Hello, Jay in Chicago. Welcome to Strongest Steel. How are you doing today?
3: Yeah, doing well, guys. Uh, wanted to uh, dissect the uh, Michigan-Michigan State game. I know uh, Michigan Harbaugh has has Michigan rolling these days. Michigan State just can't get anything going. I think Michigan uh, comes into this game with a little uh, extra motivation with uh, what happened last year. And I think uh, Harbaugh is going to have that lead foot on the on the on the gas this week and really pound Michigan State.
0: Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I can make a great case for Michigan uh, rolling up to a big win here. Because as you touch on, they're playing playing among the best ball in the country. I mean, their defense number one, holding opponents to 210 yards per game below their season average. Their offense 117 yards above their season average, and Michigan State just stumbles in here. Five straight losses. And amazingly, yeah. they were favored in all five games, and they lost yeah. all five of them. They're struggling at the quarterback position. Is it Tyler O'Connor? Is it Lewerke? Uh They haven't really established a strong run game. They're only averaging 4.2 yards per carry, definitely better than that usually. And the defensive front's been giving up an alarming number of rush yards, over 200 yards per game. Normally, I would say this is a Michigan team on a roll, playing with legitimate revenge. They go into a blowout win here, but you know, Michigan State is at home. And the last time they were an underdog, They beat Notre Dame, and granted, Notre Dame's in the middle of a horrendous season. But Michigan State just plays better as an underdog. And I think that they – I see Michigan winning the game, and I've got Michigan winning this game by 17 points. But the spread in Vegas right now is 24 on this game. And if Michigan State doesn't play their best game of the season here – they will not be going to a bowl game this year because I think they'll have a hangover effect afterwards and end up losing quite a few of their final four games after this. It would turn into a horrendous season. Uh, I do see Michigan winning, but uh, I'm only going to say Michigan by 17. I like the Spartans plus the big 24 here. Appreciate the call there, Jay.
1: Appreciate it, Jay. is right. Uh, Phil, you know this line's jumped seven points in the course of uh, less than four days, I believe, it opened up at uh, 17 and a half, as you alluded to. It jumped all the way up. And, listen, after losing five in a row, and uh, you and I are big Mark D'Antonio fans, but, uh, Phil, he's got to find a way to rally the troops. The most alarming thing you just said to me, Michigan State, not losing five in a row, but giving up more than 200 yards per game on the ground over the course of, uh, of four of those, that's just something I would tell you that, isn't going to happen. So I think this is a big test for D'Antonio to see if he can rally this football team, as you said, to at least get to that six win total to get him into a bowl game.
0: Yeah. And they at least have to give a good effort. I mean, if they get blown out on their own home turf by Michigan – then I think he's going to have a tough time convincing this team what's the use the rest of the year. And you know that early 17 number that was like a 15 minute number. By the end of Sunday night, when the Vegas is posting up the early numbers, it was already 21 and a half, 22 and a half. So uh, it was just a soft, very early opening afternoon Sunday number. By the time most places started posting number on the game, Michigan was about 21 and a half point favorite.
1: Yep, a lot of believers in what uh, Jim Harbaugh and his Michigan Wolverines are doing. We're big believers in all of you. That's why we love it when you get on board with us here on Strongest Steel. 646-668-2248. Let's keep it rolling. Let us uh, check in uh, with Aaron uh, from the great state of Virginia. Hey, Aaron, welcome to Strongest Steel. How are you today?
2: Hey, doing great, guys. Thanks for having me, Michael and uh, Phil. And, uh, Phil... uh, Love the show, and uh, inside the uh, press box, remember, Um it's pretty nice to be able to just kind of sit back and get a uh, winner sent to you every week. Uh, it's pretty easy. Uh, but uh, I'd like to ask you about a marquee matchup. Uh, well, the marquee teams that haven't had uh, the seasons they expected to have, and that's Notre Dame and Miami. And uh, on paper, uh, to me, they have some, some similarities. I mean, uh, going into the season, um, Miami lost uh, three of their top tacklers that were returning from last year, uh, defensive end, a couple linebackers. Then on Notre Dame, they lost uh, Redfield, and uh, they also lost Corey Robinson. But teams are without uh, some players that they had planned on having, and um, I guess on paper, I, I think both these teams are pretty talented, and, and I kind of expected it to be maybe a Notre Dame uh, minus three kind of game because they're playing in South Bend, but uh, notice that uh, – Uh, Miami's getting about two and a half points right now And um, So just wanted your thoughts on that Also um, just Miami's uh, Offense uh, Got a lot of guys back and kind of expected a little bit more of them I know they've been playing Some pretty tough defenses UNC and Florida State and Virginia Tech But uh, is that a Mark uh, Rick thing Or uh, can we expect uh, to see these teams Break out offensively
0: All right, appreciate the call And Aaron really appreciate you being an Inside the Press Box subscriber Uh, Thank you very much for that know, uh, when we look at this game, I think the one thing we're going to look at is two teams that are in better health than they were in their last game. In fact, Brian Kelly sent the team home for the, the bye week, and he says when they came back, he feels that Notre Dame right now is the healthiest team in America. So he, he feels they're back to full health 100%. That means Deshaun Kaiser, Josh Adams at running back, at St. Brown at the receiver spot, and the defense should be fairly healthy. And you look at their D. You know, they did hold Stanford at 296 yards in their last game. Now, when you look at Miami, you go to that Virginia Tech game, and that was a banged-up Miami team, banged up on the offensive line, as we saw with the eight sacks, banged up on the defensive line where they had to bring a tight end over to play uh, defensive line for them during practice during the week because they just didn't have enough bodies, and then got two more guys injured during the game. Mark Rick says the offensive line back to health here, and the uh, defense is going to be healthier, but they're not going to be at 100% health. But still, they have a defensive front seven that, even despite the preseason losses and the injuries they've had, 23 sacks this year, allowing just 3.4 yards per carry. So, defensively, I'm definitely giving the edge in this game to Miami of Florida. I think they get a lot more pressure on the quarterback. Now, Miami's offensive problem when they played Virginia Tech was protecting Brad Kaya. Kaya, when he was able to get the football off, hit 23 of 38 for 323, but he got sacked eight times. One of Notre Dame's problems on defense all year has been getting pressure on the quarterback. They've got very little, eight sacks in seven games. So I think with the healthier offensive line, Miami should be able to protect them better. I like the way Walton, Yearby, and Edwards are running the football. Uh, not lately, not the last three games, but that was against Florida State, North Carolina, Virginia Tech. I think they'll have more success running the football with the healthier offensive line. This one did open up at Notre Dame, minus one. Miami of Florida is now a two-point favorite. I'm going to lean with Miami of Florida in this one to come out with the win, even though the game's in South Bend and it's a desperate Notre Dame at 2-5. and five. I think Miami of Florida comes out, but, you know, three- to four-point win, I think it'll be a highly competitive game and go right down to the wire. Thanks again, Aaron.
1: Hey, Phil, you and I talked a lot about uh, Brad Kaya and what type of quarterback that uh, he would evolve into, not in the same ilk he wasn't thought of anyway as uh, – as uh, as Watson and Kaiser and Kelly and maybe even Browning, but how have you assessed his year performance to date? Uh,
0: below my expectations so far, but we'll see what he does the rest of the year. If it, we'll see what the, if the offensive line being healthier helps him. Those eight sacks against Virginia Tech were tough to take, and I don't think all eight mm. sacks you could pin on the offensive line. I think a couple of those sacks were Kaya holding on to the ball a little bit too long. So I need to see him get the ball out a little bit quicker and have a productive second half of the year. I was talking to my buddy Gil Brandt this week and I asked him that specific right. question about the quarterbacks, and he said no quarterback has blown anybody away uh, in the among the NFL minds so far. Watson's been below what they thought. Kaya's been below what they thought. But we'll see what happens in the second half of the season.
1: Good assessment there, and always love when you get a Gil Brandt mention here on Strongest Steel. <laughs> One of our go-to guys for Phil and I. You're our go-to guys as well because we know you're always locked in on Strongest Steel. We're rolling today 646-668-2248. six six eight twenty two forty eight. Let's keep up that roll. Let's uh, swing into the state of Indiana. Here's Jeff with some Big Ten thoughts for us. How you doing, Jeff?
3: Hey, I'm well, Michael, and uh, guys. Thanks for having me as always. Um, I do want to bring it back to the Big Ten before I get into it, though, Phil. uh, Another stellar weekend for the Inside the
1: Press Box team, so thanks for that. Um, Keep my comments brief. The Hoosiers uh, on a bit of a slide, but they're um, giving up five to the
3: Terps coming into Bloomington this weekend. What do you think?
0: All right. Appreciate the call. And, Jeff, thank you very much for being an Inside the Press Box subscriber. Really appreciate it. and. Uh, you know, when you look at Indiana this year, they had a couple of games. You know, that Wake Forest game is a game they probably should have won. They had a 611 to 352 yard edge in the game. Turnovers did them in. The minus five and turnovers, and that's really been Richard Lego's biggest problem. Is the 11 interceptions he's tossed so far this year? It's got them into trouble. I was a little disappointed in their performance last week against Northwestern. That's a game where they got down 24 to th- uh, three at the half, and the amazing thing there. They gave up 371 yards in the first half to Northwestern. In the second half, 37 yards. So that allowed them to get back in the game, but they just didn't get back in the game enough. But at least that Indiana defense showed some bite in the second half of the game. Now, with Maryland, their two losses this year had the same thing in common. Perry Hills was either injured and banged up or out Uh, and they were relying on Terrell Pigrome in there. Now, last week, Hills returned to the lineup, and they looked great against Michigan State. Rolled up 447 yards against them. It was 14-14 at the half, but has been the case for Michigan State the last three weeks. They got worn down in the second half by that run game. Hills is back, and that makes Maryland a very dangerous team here. But when I look at the two teams, I think they're pretty close. i got to go with that home field edge, and I think Indiana might be a slight step ahead. So I'm going to take Indiana by a touchdown in this game, but should be a great game. And we're going to learn a lot about both teams. It's crucial for both teams as far as bowl positioning and or getting
1: to a bowl game this year. Thanks again, Jeff. Great call, Phil. You're absolutely right about that, too. I'm going to take Maryland and D.J. Durkin in this one. And I think you said it to me with Perry Hills back that offense it looked very very explosive against Michigan State and Phil think about it if they do win this one you and I next week I know we're going to be talking Maryland I'm speaking of we'll be talking a lot about here on Strongest Steel DJ Durkin taking the Terps into Ann Arbor against Jim Harbaugh on the Michigan Wolverines. Of course, Durkin was uh, Jim Harbaugh's defensive coordinator for him last year in his first year at Michigan. That'll be very tasty, won't it? Sure will. It's a good one to be looking forward to. That's a week away, though. 646-668-2248. All right, let's go back to uh, our friends in the great state of Oregon and with some Pac-12 thoughts as we continue on on Strong as Steel. And, again, line them up for us. We're covering every conference in the country, 646-668-2248. Here's Tyler. How you doing, Tyler?
0: Oh, I'm good.
3: How are you folks today? Very good, sir. All right, I'm interested in your take on the Washington State-Oregon State game. I know the Beavers are going through a rebuild, but their pass defense is actually playing pretty well, so I think it's an interesting matchup with Washington State's so-called air raid offense. And let's see, is it enough to cause a
1: Pac-12 after dark effect? And also, I'm curious, who would you say right now is the best team in the South Division? Nobody will agree on it out here.
0: All right, and you know, that's a tough question, you know, when you mm-hmm. when you look at the South. Because you'd have to put USC up there because they, they might be the most talented. They just had that grueling schedule. You have to put Colorado up there. They're playing great. And then did I mention Utah? No, I didn't. But I would have to put Utah up there. But I, I think the Pac-12 South is still wide open. We're going to learn a lot. The month of November is going to determine that division. It should be a lot of fun. But let's address this Washington State Oregon State game. And, of course, last week against uh, Washington, Oregon State down their top two quarterbacks. Now, Garrettson's out for the year. Blount was injured, so they went with Marcus McMarion at the QB spot. He did only hit 48% of his passes. Their top rusher, Ryan Nall, remember how Nall ran the football over the field against Cal. Well, he missed last week's game against Washington. That hurt their chances. nall has got a potential to return this week, which I think would be huge. And don't be surprised to see Seth Collins get a little work under the quarterback spot. Remember, Seth Collins was the starting quarterback for Oregon State last week. He got in a little action at the QB spot last week, but he's a dynamic athlete. And I think he'd bring a lot to the offense for him. Now, as you touched on... The D playing pretty well. The Utah game was in the rain. The Cal game against Davis Webb, he got injured in the first quarter with a hand injury in that game, and he wasn't 100%. Uh, against Washington, they did give up 300, and Colorado 316. And Washington State, they were actually held to a season low last week by Arizona State, only 346 yards, but they still have Luke Falk. Uh, at the run game, which had been coming on. I mean, they had a couple games where they ran the ball for over 200 yards It's back to normal. Last week against Arizona State, minus 52 yards rushing, allowed seven sacks. I think Oregon State, to win this game, they're going to have to get pressure on the quarterback, and I haven't seen enough by the defensive front. They only have ten sacks on the year to get that pressure. So I do see Washington State coming out of there with a win. I don't think it'll be easy, but I've got Washington State probably winning that one by about two touchdowns. Appreciate the call, Tyler.
1: That's how we do it here on Strongest Steel. Make sure you uh, line it up for us, us each and every week. I'm Michael Regai, Phil Steele's here, our producer Jim Nabosna. We uh, can certainly keep you uh, satisfied on Twitter as well. We're going to check Twitter here coming up briefly at philsteel042, at michaelregei, at jim underscore nabosna. That's coming up for right now. Let us uh, think about uh, the Atlantic Coast Conference. We head to South Carolina. And welcome Greg to the show. Greg, you're up. Hey, uh, hey,
2: Phil. I just want to say uh, good work in going 5-0 and no on your uh, weekly preview newsletter last week. But uh, I have a question for the ACC Coastal Division. There's a big matchup with Virginia Tech and Pittsburgh. Who do you think will come up, come out on top?
0: All right, appreciate it. Greg, I appreciate you being an Inside the Press Box subscriber. I really do. Uh, and thank you for the kind comments. Uh, you know, when I look at this game, I just like the way Virginia Tech's been playing this year a little bit more than what I've seen out of Pitt. Now, Pitt's had some pretty good games this season, but surprising to me is that a Pat Narduzzi defense is giving up 37 yards per game more than what their opponents come in averaging. That's almost shocking to me. Yeah, they're tough against the run. They're only giving up 99 yards per game rush, 3.2 yards per carry, but you can throw the football on them, and I think that will be the attack strategy for Virginia Tech in this game. You're going to see Gerard Evans, who has a very nifty 19 touchdowns and two interceptions this year, Try to throw the football, find guys like Isaiah Ford, Cam Phillips down the field, and, of course, Trayvon McMillan doing a solid job at running back. On the flip side of the coin, you know, last year, when I talked to coach, defense coordinator, Bud Foster, I thought their defense was going to be great, and they really underachieved. Well, they're back to being that type of defense this year. How about eight sacks last week, 20 on the season, and they're holding opponents to 119 yards below their season average. That's the ninth best mark in the country. So right now, I just think Virginia Tech's playing better football, even though Pitt's at home. They only lost to North Carolina by one. Probably should have beaten Oklahoma State on the road in that game. Already own home wins over Georgia Tech. And and. Penn State, I think VT's playing at a little bit higher level now. So I'm going to call for VT to win this one uh, by probably four to six points in this game. Appreciate the call, Greg. Going against Narduzzi's defense, huh, Phil? Hey, they have not been playing like a Pat Narduzzi defense.
1: You're exactly right about that, no question. All right, let's continue on as uh, we head to uh, Kentucky. Kentucky, uh, SEC country, but some Big Ten thoughts. Uh, Here's Mark from the state of or is this new york my apologies NY. mark in new york big 10 thoughts hey mark welcome to the show
3: hey guys good to be here uh i just want
1: to bring up this northwestern game i know uh, last
3: week you know we we're all kind of looking at northwestern stats the past couple of weeks and the amount of points they've been scoring clayton thorson's really throwing the ball well they got the running game going with jackson and you know ohio state coming off that big loss you know the numbers sitting right around 27. I just feel like Fitzgerald has his team so confident that they could beat anybody, which is a great, you know, a great thing to have with a sophomore quarterback. Just wondering about your thoughts about Northwestern's chances against uh, the Ohio State. Thanks, Bill.
0: Okay. Hey, thanks for the call, Mark. Uh, yeah, this is one of those games where I personally thought the number that Las Vegas would put on the game would be about 21 to 24. Because if you've watched Ohio State the last three weeks, you haven't been blown away. I mean, they only beat Indiana by 21. Uh, should have probably lost to Wisconsin on the road and did lose to Penn State on the road. Meanwhile, as you touched on, Mark, this Northwestern offense is humming. Now, I'm not quite sure what the heck happened in the second half, but 371 yards in the first half against Indiana was great, coupled with the 490 against Michigan State, 362 against Iowa. And I, I like the way that Northwestern is playing with pride. Austin Carr, one of the best receivers in the Big Ten, Justin Jackson, one of the best running backs, and It's good to see Clayton Thorson finally get to that level, 14 touchdown passes, Mm -hmm. five interceptions. So I like Ohio State to win the game, but I I do think Northwestern probably keeps it a little bit closer. I only have them winning by this one by about 21 to 24 points, and maybe even closer to 21 because I think Northwestern makes a game of it for a, a good portion of it. I like the Buckeyes to win the game outright, though. Thank you very much for the call, Mark.
1: Are they going to get their pass game offense back in gear, Phil? It's sputtered the last couple of weeks. It doesn't look, you know, we're so used to the last couple of years with with Michael Thomas and, and, and that crew being able to stretch a defense. Where has that element gone in Urban Meyer's offensive pass game? Yeah, it's been it's been sort of shocking. Now, the only good news, Northwestern gave up
0: 424 yards passing to Michigan State and 319 to Indiana. So there is an opportunity, and you know they're going to work on it in practice this week.
1: Yep, you would think so. No question about it. All right, 646-668-2248. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, our producer Jim Nabosna, let us head down to Dallas, Texas, one of my favorite cities and states in the country, with some uh, some Big 12 thoughts. Uh, here's Ryan. Hey, Ryan, welcome. Hey,
3: thanks. Uh, Phil, I wanted to get your thoughts on the Baylor Texas game. I know Baylor hasn't really played anybody, and Texas is undefeated at home, but none of those home wins are extremely
0: impressive, and Baylor's coming off a bye. I feel like three to a number 183 Thanks for your time. All right. Thank you, Ryan. You know, uh, I look at Baylor, and, and you're right, I'm still waiting for them to play somebody. You look at that Oklahoma State game. I had Baylor against Oklahoma State. They won the game by 11. It was very nice, but I wasn't blown away with Baylor. I love the way they do run the football, though. Everybody perceives Baylor as a passing team, but with Shock Linwood, Terrence Williams, Jermichael Hastie, uh this is a team that's averaging 283 yards per game on the ground, 5.7 yards per carry. And Texas's D has been giving up a lot of yards, four hundred and forty three on the season. But the interesting note here, Texas is holding their opponents to two yards below their season average. So they're just a slightly they've taken a pretty tough schedule of opposing offenses. Baylor, meanwhile, I've not seen a team uh, like Texas, with the exception of Oklahoma State, on the roster or on the schedule this year, Kansas, Iowa State, Rice, SMU, Northwestern State, and it's almost a must-win game for Texas. Now, they won't have Chris Warren back yet, but they still have Dante Foreman, a running back. I like the way Bouchelle and Swoops give him the uh, pass offense. Devin Duvernay, a guy that originally signed at Baylor, I have in my magazine is playing at Baylor, is here at Texas and averaging 27.3 yards per carry. Uh, it's it's to me it's an interesting game. I just like the situation for Texas with Baylor off a bye. Even though they're off a bye, I like Texas to actually pull the upset at home in a must-win situation for Charlie Strong and the Texas Longhorns. Appreciate the call, Ryan.
1: We appreciate all of you that uh, are locked in each and every week with us. The place to go. You see how uh, much ground we cover all over the FBS. Doesn't matter where you are, top 25 or not, or the uh, the group of 5 we'll do it for you here on Strong as Steel. Let's continue on. We go to Boston. Uh, here's one of my, uh, my favorite games coming up this weekend as Washington goes into Utah to see the Utes. Here's Fred from Boston as we welcome him to Strong as Steel. How you doing, Fred? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for asking. I wanted to uh, get you guys to talk about Washington utah a little bit i think it's a lot of considering how how well the running back in the line is playing and the fact that the quarterback used to play you know he's going to want to play really well what do you think phil
0: yeah troy williams was a big-time recruit at washington and now uh, i like the way troy williams is getting uh getting better that oregon state game you could sort of throw out because it was played in high winds and rain 413 for 42 yards but it uh, seems to be getting better weekly. And how about Joe Williams coming out of retirement? He basically lost his starting job. He, I said, you know what, it's not worth it. I'm going to retire from football. But now they, they were so decimated at the running back position, they bring him back. He runs for 179 yards against Oregon State and 332 against a very good UCLA defense. And as usual, Utah's got a great special team. So they've got the special teams. They've got... A defense that has surprisingly given up some yards as of late. There's been uh, They gave up over 300 yards passing in three of the last four games uh, so far this year. I'm just high on the Huskies this season. I think they are a complete team. When you look at them defensively, uh, they have one of the best defenses in the country. They get pressure on the quarterback. They stop the run. They've got a great secondary. You look at them, can they throw the ball? Jake Browning. Is hitting 69% of his passes with 26 touchdowns and two interceptions. Can they run the ball? How about Miles Gaskins and Lavon Coleman, combining for about 1,200 yards and over seven yards a carry. And then there's the game breaker, John Ross, and they have a very good special teams as well. Uh, they also got a pretty good kid, coach in Peterson. Now, the line, I've, I was hoping the line on this one is going to be under seven because I like Washington. I still think Washington wins the game something by 10 to 14 points in this one, so I like the Huskies in this. But it's not going to be easy. Muscle be at its best. I think Utah is going to give it their best shot. But I'm going to go with the Huskies this week. Appreciate the call, Fred.
1: Phil, so you're taking them uh, straight up, obviously, uh, and uh, against the number as well.
0: Yeah, I'm going to lean with them. Like I said, I was hoping the number on this would be seven. I had about 10 to 14 points, and the line's up there at 10. So it's it's a lean on Washington.
1: All right, a lean toward Washington. You know what a big fan I am of Kyle Whittingham and his football program. I think they're going to find a way to keep this very, very close at home. I. Phil, I don't know if I'm quite ready to say outright yet for Nam and his Utes, but uh, I think we may come down inside the final two minutes to a last possession or two in this one. It's sure to be, a, a, I think, one of the top games of the weekend, and that's why we're here for you to cover each and every one of them. 646-668-2248. Michael Regeye, Phil Steele on Strong as Steel. And here's our producer, Jim Nabosna, as uh, you on social media have uh, brought us some just tremendous tweets today. Hey, Jim, let's, uh, let's roll with some here at, at this particular time and get Phil's thoughts on uh, some of what's coming out of the Twitter world from our strongest steel listeners.
3: Sounds like a plan. Our first tweet is from Joe Cleveland, and he wants to know your opinion on Florida versus Georgia, the world's greatest cocktail party this weekend in Jacksonville.
0: Yeah, world's greatest outdoor cocktail party, and uh, I know it's it's out of style to to call it that. You're not allowed to call it anymore, but that's what I, that's how I know it. Just like Alabama and Tennessee play on the third Saturday of October, except half the times this decade. But uh, you know, I think this is an intri- intriguing game. I do think Florida's the better team. I like Florida's defense this year, holding opponents to 144 yards below their season average, which is number six in the country. They've got Luke Del Rio back at the quarterback position, which is a big plus. And And the run game got going against Missouri with 287 yards. But Georgia's got Chubb and Michelle both back and healthy. And Jacob Eason is a starting quarterback here. Now, believe it or not, the last time Georgia had a first-time starting quarterback and actually defeated Florida in a game was back in 1989. So it's been a long time for that to happen. But uh, when I look at the matchup, I think Florida's the better team. But uh, this, I had it at Florida by seven. That's about where the number is in Vegas right now. So I think it's one of those tougher ones to call. I like the Chubb-Michelle combination. I think they keep it close. But uh, I'm going to call for Florida to win that one by seven.
3: Question from Tommy Touchy. UL Monroe has been getting beat up by the run game all year, which bodes well for Arkansas State but with this being the biggest line in the last 15 years will the red wolves be able to cover 20 points
0: appreciate the uh good, the tweet there Tommy and we uh we hear from Tommy every uh podcast, which I appreciate. Uh, I do like Arkansas State this week. I think the buy sign went on Arkansas State two weeks ago against Georgia Southern. Uh, like I said, they had a 27-16 first down edge, minus five in turnovers, still won the game. And I think you'll see Arkansas State roll to a very successful finish to the season. ULM last week got steamrolled by uh, New Mexico. Uh, Garrett Smith, their starting quarterback, out for the year. They went with Kalib Evans last week. He did hit 12 of 15 passes. Looked good, but I think this is a two Big of a step up for ULM. Uh, I'm going to go with Arkansas State by over the uh, three touchdowns in that one. Appreciate the tweet.
3: Taylor Quinn, 112, has a question about a Thursday night game. Do you feel Cal is getting disrespected by being a 16 and a half point dog at USC?
0: Uh, not so much disrespected. I think it's more respect for USC at this point because when you look at USC, I think the whole world threw them in the trash can after they lost to Alabama and then at Stanford at Utah, which by the way Stanford was fully healthy, and that's a tough venue to go to. And then Utah gave it. It was a game where Utah pulled out the touchdown at the end of the game. But now that SC has gone to Sam Darnold, the QB, I think you look at this team and you just look at the quarterback, the running backs with Justin Davis, Ronald Jones, the receiving core, the offensive line, the defense. It's a pretty doggone good football team, very talented. And I think there's a lot of respect for USC. I think a lot of guys are circling that USC at Washington game as a potential for Washington's loss this season if they have one, Uh, and I think that's the advantage there. Now, Cal, their big thing is they lack a defense. Their defense all year has been giving up lots of yards, lots of points. How about 74 yards above their season average that the opponents come in averaging? 5.7 yards per carry. These are some... Very poor numbers on the defensive side of the ball. They definitely have backdoor potential with Davis Webb. He should be 100% healthy. They did get past Oregon by three at home. But I think that's the reason the number's up there. And to be honest with you, my number on the game when I put it out originally was USC was going to win by about 16, 17 points. So it's right in the line that I thought. Appreciate the tweet.
3: And Mitchell Lyons has a question about midweek match play. Can Ohio pull off pull off the upset over Toledo or at least keep it within the 15 points.
0: You know, Mitchell, and what I'm going to do, you just uh, lit off some fireworks and, and confetti coming <laughs> down from the ceiling. You have hit oh, Michael Ray Guy's <laughs> Mac game of the week, and he's hit them all so far this year. So, Michael,
1: tell us who's going to win that game and by how much. Phil, this is going to be a very intriguing matchup, and Mitch, thank you for uh, checking in with us about that as well. I called Ohio last week as they got beat in one of those old-school throwback games, 14-10, against a very good defensive-minded Kent State football team. Ohio's defense are front seven. I'll put up with anybody, not just in the MAC, but I'll tell you what, they, you won't be far off if you said they were top 20 front seven-wise in the FBS. Terrell Basham, the defensive end, going to play on Sundays. The all-time sacks leader at Ohio, Kurt Lasik, the other DN. Casey Sales in the middle. Linebacking crew led by Quentin Poling and Blair Brown is terrific. I like some of the young and the veterans mixed in in the, the secondary, but Here's the thing. As much as I like Frank Solich's D, are they going to be able to curtail truly one of the most high-octane explosive offenses in the country? Guys and gals, if you have not taken a look at Logan Woodside and know the name, the quarterback of the Toledo Rockets, 28 TDs, just four picks. Phil, did you know he's hitting at almost a 72% accuracy on his pass completions this year their offense averaging 42 a game 560 yards a game i could go on and on he has one of the most dynamic wide receivers in the nation at cody thompson averaging 24 yards a catch he's a touchdown machine so is tight end michael roberts so the way i see this with ohio starting a true freshman quarterback, Quentin Maxwell, who played fairly well in his college football starting debut at Kent State. But, of course, the offense ground to a halt. The run game hit a couple explosive plays with uh, Malik Irons and Dorian Brown for touchdowns. Big question. It boils down to this. Can Ohio generate enough offensively to stay on the football field against Toledo's defense, middle-of-the-pack defense? But can they do enough? Because you're going to have to put points on the board when you play Toledo. Nobody's been able to shut them down this year. I'm saying while they'll hang close, because Frank Solich has got a strong defense, you're not going to be able to shut Toledo off and be able to continue to light up the board points-wise with them. I see by Logan Woodside, again continuing his uh, just phenomenal play at quarterback. I see a 31 to 16 Toledo win here over Ohio. To keep it in the MAC, that'll push him to 7 1 overall, 4 0 in the MAC, and stay connected with that tremendous Western Michigan team atop the MAC West. So Toledo by a couple of touchdowns over a very good Ohio squad. So that is Phil. Michael. That's the. Michael, yeah. got to
0: ask you. Spread sixteen. Who do you like?
1: Spread sixteen. What did I just say? Thirty-one sixteen. I guess yeah. that would be that. Uh, by very, Ohio. I would I would go with Ohio with the points, although i I'll, I'll I this is uh, this is one that uh, again Phil you know it's like you uh, don't have a real sick I'm significant that Toledo's going to win the football game but Ohio's good enough to be able to keep it within the number. We'll see how it okay. plays
0: out. Now
1: we're at sp- right.
0: speaking of 16 Michael we're at 16 We're games. We've got to knock four or five or six more out. we got to get to our 20-plus this week. So let's do a little rapid-fire games. Pick some ranked games this week that we can go
1: over. There we go. Let's do that. Uh, I, I got All right, you uh, rapid-fire games here. We looked at some ranked ones that we wanted to take a peek at. Uh, what, what about Jim Herman and what's going on with his uh, Houston Coogs as they uh, tangle with UCF this week? You know, that's my under-the-radar game of the week. I'm going to go with the Houston Cougars
0: and Tom Herman. Uh, You know, they've struggled. You look at last week's game, their offensive line banged up. They allowed seven sacks to SMU on the road, an unexpected loss they have been staggering ever since Ken niamat laid one on them three weeks ago as they barely got past Tulsa. But even though the offensive line is still banged up, they may go with three freshmen on the offensive line, only two veterans out there. They're back at home. It's easier for the offensive line to block when you're at home. UCF does have an aggressive defense. I think it will be a good game. I do think UCF, uh, and this is an important game too, because Scott Frost is doing a tremendous job, with UCF uh you look at their sack total this year they've already got 24 they've gone to the freshman Mackenzie Milton at QB and he looks pretty good when I talked to coach Frost this summer uh we we went over their team and he likes what he sees in Milton he thinks he's going to be a guy that Oregon should have recruited uh at the quarterback spot and he of course comes from Oregon there Oregon would have recruited Mm -hmm. him so uh add it all up though Houston's laying less than 10 in this one I like the Houston Cougars to win this one by double digits
1: Yep, I'm with you on that. All right, uh, Penn State off that huge win. they got to go to West Lafayette this week. What do you think? Slight letdown after beating Ohio State? How do you assess it? You know, you would think there would
0: be a letdown, but this is a Penn State team that, you know, if they go ahead and lose this game, then what was the win over Ohio State worth? And the big thing with Penn State is last week, Two key players, Cabinda and Bell. their linebackers. Now, remember that Michigan game? They were down their top six linebackers. Cabinda and Bell came back last week. You know how many tackles they combined for? How about 31 tackles? Amazing. Mm. So this Penn State defense is finally back to strength. And that Penn State offense... We see them getting better and better each week. Now, they played Ohio State's defense last week, but they're playing Purdue's this week. I like Trace McSorley, Saquon Barkley, Godwin at the receiver, DeAndre Tompkins at receiver. And here's the other thing. When you look at Purdue's last home game, it came against Iowa, and they only lost by 14, right? That was 42-14 to into the fourth quarter, and then Iowa rested their starters. Penn State's not going to be resting starters here. They're only laying 11. I like Penn State to go on the road and get the win in that one.
1: All right, good call there. Uh, Noah, speaking of covering the number, who's covered the number better, though, than uh, Matt Rule and his Temple Owls in the American of late Phil, Does their streak continue as they welcome in Cincinnati to the city of brotherly
0: love? Seven covers in a row. The only one better, Colorado, the only unbeaten team Hmm. spread-wise this year. Uh, and this Temple Cincinnati, I love the way Temple's, but Matt Rule is doing a fantastic job. I look at the yep. talent level on his team. I think they, you know, the, the winning against US, UCF on the road was big. Getting that touchdown in the final seconds, pulling out the win has put them in the driver's seat of the division, and they looked great last week against USF. Now they're playing Cincinnati. But the name I'm going to throw at you here, Michael, is Gunnar Keel. Cincinnati's offense was mm-hmm. explosive last year with gunner keel at the helm now something happened there nobody's really sure they're not really saying But all of a sudden gunner keel was in the doghouse injured we're not really sure what it was but and he didn't even come in this year in fact when hayden moore went down earlier in the year they brought in ross trail off the bench to come in and play uh... but keel won the team over during the bye week and i love what i saw last week against east carolina threw for three hundred forty eight yards They had five hundred thirteen yards offense I think since he's going to give Temple a game here. But tough to go against that spread strength Temple's got going on. I'll call for Temple to win the game by a field goal.
1: I'm with you. Love Matt Rule and the job he's done. All right, let's go down. Hey, uh, everybody kind of sneaking up quietly. That War Eagle, Phil, of Auburn in the SEC, they're going to Old Miss this week. Uh, Auburn, are, are they going to run the table before they, uh, they wind up in the Iron Bowl against Alabama and Saban? Yeah, if they win this week, which I think they will,
0: yes, I think they do, and, and won't that be a matchup because rivalry underdogs always do well. You know what Ole Miss's problem has been? Their linebacking core and giving up rush yards. They, they've been giving up in SEC play, Michael, six yards mm-hmm. a carry, 269 yards on the ground, mm-hmm. and you're taking on an Auburn offense to catch this. They ran for 543 yards against Arkansas last week, 9.5 it's all yards yep. per carry. So you have an Auburn team that can run the football against an Ole Miss team whose weakness is defending the run this year. Yeah, Chad Kelly's there. You know, I'd like him, but Auburn, here's another stat for you, Michael. Auburn's defense this year is allowing 14.3 points per game. Alabama's defense is allowing 14.9 points per game. They're actually ahead of Alabama in points allowed this year. They've got a very underrated defense. They've got the run game. I like Auburn to win this one by a touchdown or more.
1: Now, that's, that's going to be fascinating. All right, I'll go back to Jim Nabosna real quick. Jim, we're thinking about one of those unbeaten West Virginia. Some thoughts there in uh, the Twitter world here on Strongest Steel.
3: Yes, Scott Gunther is asking, is West Virginia at OK State a, finally a true test for West Virginia, and when will people start taking the Mountaineers serious?
0: I'm taking them serious, Scott. Uh, I'll admit, last week I I picked TCU to beat them. TCU fumbled the opening kickoff, uh, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, West Virginia's on top. I'm going to take them serious right now. I like the run game, averaging 4.8 yards per carry, and the defense is holding opponents to 110 yards below their season average this year. This is the Big 12 we're talking about, right? Nobody plays defense out there, but West Virginia is playing defense. Meanwhile, Oklahoma State has struggled to run the ball all year, 3.7 yards per carry. Their defense has given up 62 yards above what their opponents allow. Add it all up. I think West Virginia is the better team and capable of winning this one on the road. I'm picking West Virginia this week. I'll pick them next week against
1: Kansas. I'm I'm bought in there, Scott. Appreciate the the uh, tweet. Uh, that's Frank. good. Love it. All right, Phil, we've got to wrap it up. And Speaking of teams that maybe we thought off to a slow start but can run the table, uh, certainly uh, can Oklahoma, Bob Stoops, and the Sooners just name their number as they welcome Kansas into Norman this week.
0: Yeah, Kansas a different team at home than on the road. They should have covered last week against Oklahoma State, uh, played that game a lot tougher than the final score would indicate. In fact, two turnovers set up Oklahoma State for eight and one-yard scoring drives, or else that's an easy cover for Kansas last week. But on the road, they've lost to Baylor by 42, Texas Tech by 36, Memphis by 36, and the Sooners' defense – just gave up 854 yards last week. There's probably a couple of words in the locker room or two about playing a little bit better defense this week. So I do like Oklahoma to win that one big. I don't know if it's going to get much above the 42 that Vegas is forecasting. But, yeah, bounce-back game for Oklahoma. And I'm sticking with it, Michael. I say it every podcast. At the end of the year, Oklahoma's going to be 10-2 and and the Big 12 champs.
1: Yeah, you've stayed consistently with that, no doubt about it. You've had a lot of compliments uh, on Inside the Press Box, Weekly com. As we wind up Phil Strong as Steel today, give it to all of our listeners how they can jump on board for the final uh, couple of months of the football season.
0: Hey, I appreciate that, Michael. Uh, Inside the Press Box, nice week last week, going 5-0, and it's having a very good season so far. And, uh Hopefully we we'll have a big finish these final six weeks of the season. Now if you go to steelsweeklypreview.com, you can get an inside look at inside the press box, the newsletter that gives the computer gives the projected box score in every game. Yards rushing, yards passing and points. You get my computer's forecast, you get my forecast. Me and the computer fight all week long. We'll disagree on probably 15 games during the week and you know, Lord knows if I end up losing the computer, the computer's gloating at me all week long and vice versa. But it's a lot of fun. You get a great newsletter for the entire season, you get one that's hitting well over 60% on the season, and uh, if you go to steelsweeklypreview.com and enter in the promo code STEEL, that's STEEL, uh, you'll be able to get a $20 discount off any of the packages on there, so that's com to get in on this week's Inside the Press Box newsletter, a solid 5-0 and last week.
1: Mm, that's solid, all right, and a fantastic offer for all of you. Make sure you take advantage of it. That's a jam-packed sixty minutes, Phil Steele. We, uh, I think our number was twenty-three this week. Would that be correct? Uh, yeah, I think we looked 20. at twenty-three football games around the FBS. Yeah, twenty-three, and some in rapid fire. And it's uh, it's good to touch on. I think we touched on every conference, didn't we, Michael? Yes, we did. We uh, hit them all, whether they be Power Five or Group of Five. So, see, let your friends know about it. You're all college football fanatics. You got to have this each and every week because uh, Phil and I and our. Producer Jim Nabosna, nobody goes in greater detail or depth than we do with all t- 128 FBS squads and uh, everything that they do, uh, whether it be Saturday or midweek, a lot of games Thursday and Friday nights coming up. Phil, great job. We'll see you next week. And uh, let's all have a terrific football weekend, right? College football, nothing better. Uh, nothing better. and I love college football, Michael. I know you do. For Phil Steele and uh, Jim Nabosna, I'm Michael Regai. Thanks to all of you. You guys make the show. Thanks for being a part of Strong as Steel. And we will see you next week at this time. And don't forget, you can get a lot of re airs uh, on iTunes. Phil and I will be tweeting it out all week long. Till next time, have a great college football weekend, everybody. So long.